I'm Daniel Levane, and as the title of the podcast implies, it's my first time watching through all of Doctor Who, and I could not be more excited. Every week I look forward to getting to sit down and embrace more and more of this amazing show that I just can't believe I've missed. And this week we're going to be talking about Series 3, Episode 8, titled Human Nature. And when I think of human nature, I think of the kindest, nicest, most talented human being I have ever had the pleasure of knowing. And that, of course, is Jamie Kern. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just come here for the validation. <laughs> well, there's, I have all, all of it to heap on you and then some. And it's all well-deserved. Thank you. Thank you. Well, welcome back. And I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you about this episode because, boy, did this episode give me the feels. Right. Um, Holy moly. Uh, So I need somebody that uh, can be as emotional as I am uh, about this because... I feel uh, I feel a little left out. Um, so, dear listener, if you have not at this point, it would be a great time to pause the podcast if you have not seen Human Nature in a while or don't want to be spoiled. Because throughout the course of our conversation, we will inevitably reveal important plot points that will kind of spoil the episode for you. So, go ahead and pause the podcast now. Watch the episode and. Welcome back to the podcast. So here we go, jumping right in. Uh, This episode kind of starts, I guess, in a cliffhanger. Um, Did I miss something? Is there, like, seemingly the the Martha chapters have all kind of bookended one right into the other. Like, you know, they're, they're walking away from medieval England and getting shot at, you know, arrows shot at. And in the next episode, the doctor's pulling the arrows out of the TARDIS. And here we're just like, it seems like we just jumped because we ended last episode, uh, you know, in, in that uh, spaceship uh, from hell uh, heading straight to, (laughs) to the sun to all of a sudden, like they're running away from like blue emitting lasers. Did I, did I miss something? No, you didn't miss a thing. This drops us right in the middle of the action in this one. So this is a very different opening than, than the ones that we've seen before. There's obviously something that has happened that we don't know that we have not seen and that we're not going to see. Um, And it just starts right in the middle of that action. And I think that's on purpose. It wants to confuse us. It wants us, they they want us to go, wait a minute, what's happening here? Yeah. We've had episodes like that uh, with Rose, uh, certainly last, you know, the the first two series. Um, But I guess I've fallen out of habit of that because with with Martha, it seems like, you know, we we go from one to the other to the other uh, and every episode sort of immediately dovetails. So we've been seeing kind of that journey the entire time. So this this was a little jarring, but uh, it was really important that they didn't see her face. Right. That's what I gathered from the doctor. He was very <laughs> adamant. Did, did they see your face? Right. Uh, and then we go to titles. <laughs> right. Um, but immediately, 
I love how, you know, we're thrust in this clearly, you know, something's going on and the the part of the episode is going to be us trying to figure out what is happening and what led us to this moment. But immediately we 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 get that the doctor is going to undergo some sort of transformation and there he is, he's a professor. And not just any professor, he's a history professor. Right. <laughs> Which makes like that to me that was one of the sort of if you're not going to be the doctor, then sure, why not be the history professor? Exactly, exactly. If the doctor was anything other than a doctor, obviously he would be a professor. <laughs> well, as, as a human being, and and his accent was even a little different. Uh, and you know, I think part of it is the 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 setting where you know we're thrust into. Uh, England in, on in November of 1913, so just in the the cusp or the eve of the the breakout of uh, the First World War. Uh, so very interesting time, uh, and we're thrust in the middle of a boarding school, which is a very a very British thing, uh, and not very much an American thing. So uh, it was it was interesting to see like this is. Uh, this is the domesticated doctor, the, right. the doctor that Rose and the doctor talked about. Right. The life that he never got to lead. Right, right. The, the, there was that one episode uh, when they were trapped in the, in the planet underneath the black hole uh, where, you know, they were saying, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to become a normal person and I'm going to have to. And then Rose is like teasing him. It's like, you're going to have to pay taxes and you're going to have to do all these things. And here we are. We're actually getting to see what the normal doctor gets to be. Right. A taste of that. And of course, his name is John Smith, because what else would his name be? Sure. That that <laughs> makes sense. We've seen him use that at this point. I was I was wondering, I was like, ooh, what, what last name are they going to give him? And of course, the moment they said it, it's like, well, of course, of that's, course. yes, that makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You kind of expect it would be something more interesting. But then as soon as you hear it, you're like, yeah, no, it couldn't have been anything but John Smith, of course. Exactly. Like there was that moment you're like, oh, that's just going to. Oh, yeah, no, that's. Yeah, of course, yep. I, I should have known. Uh, and even when you see it written on the door and that, you know, very elegant uh, handwriting, you're like, yeah, that 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 checks out. That's exactly what the doctor would uh, what the human counterpart to the doctor would be called. But it makes it all the more confusing than when Martha comes in. And she's still Martha. She's still Martha Jones. Right? Yeah, she is still like, and so immediately I, I I gathered that she was clearly aware of what was happening, and that the doctor was not. The reasons why we don't quite know right away, but you know the the looks that she was giving him, like it was it was very obvious, and she played it very well. That it was clear she's aware of what's going on and he's not, which is interesting because that's the opposite of what usually happens. Yeah. You know, it's been a while since I saw this for the first time, but I think when I saw it for the first time that I wasn't quite sure if Martha was in on it. I wasn't quite sure if, if she knew what was going on. I, at first I thought that it was a possibility mm. that both of them were in some sort of altered mental state, you know, I had that feeling too, but the moment she said Martha Jones and then you see her interaction with the doctor uh, and her like 
keeping a close eye as the doctor interacts with other people, I I kind of got that feeling that it's like, okay, something's going on here. And clearly Martha is the wiser, um, which is, you know, it, it's kind of fun to take and, and do the polar opposite to what usually happens, mm-hmm. uh, especially for somebody like Martha that's still fairly new to this whole, you know, adventuring through time and space. Uh, and for her to be the one with all the information, uh, it was quite, quite interesting. Mm-hmm. But I love uh, that, you know, we, we have that moment with the nurse um, where, you know, the doctor's got like sort of that absent-minded professor moment where he's like standing on the edge of the stairs and just disappears all of a sudden because he falls. Yes. Uh, which, you know, it's just such a wonderful way of humanizing the doctor and, and showing, you know, this is not the doctor we know. This is clearly a different side of him, a much simpler, much more naive side of him. Um, but I I immediately noticed something, and this may be, you know, me just looking too deep into things, but the nurse had a pin on her that looked like a smaller version of his pocket watch. Oh, I didn't notice that. Did I see something? No, I didn't notice that. It's entirely possible. I didn't notice. She, she was wearing, you know, and it it was, we, we see it, um, you know, we, we see it throughout history at, at those times, uh, you know, wearing pins was a very big thing. And it, you know, it sometimes it showed your status or uh, so I'm not sure if, you know, if I'm seeing things out of nowhere, but I noticed that pin and I was like, that looks an awful lot like his watch. Like she's got like a smaller version of it or something. Um, But, uh, you know, there's that wonderful moment where he's like telling for no reason whatsoever. He just seems to be this very open book kind of a guy. And he's like... I have um, I have written down some of these dreams in the form of fiction. Um, not that it would be of any interest. I'd be very interested. Right, right. He definitely, especially with her, with Joan, mm. there's definitely something about her that makes him want to tell her more. He does that with Martha, but we know that there's, you know, some sort of subconscious something with Martha that he's going to tell Martha things that he might not tell other people. But he definitely has a connection with Joan, Nurse Redfern, that he doesn't necessarily have with anybody else. He 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 has something going on, and and you could see like the flirtations as he's showing her the book, and of course, you know, I was nerding out as the pages go across, and you see some of the. Um, creatures that we've encountered throughout you know the 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 robots or the the clockwork men from uh the girl in the fireplace and uh the ouds and you know yeah. all, a bunch of them uh but there's that one page where we see rose yes yes and a such a beautiful picture of her too it's, very, <laughs> it's almost a wistful picture of her Oh, yeah. I mean, it was immediately like I've been talking about it all series. And of course, that's part of the the the, the common thread, uh, the narrative thread of the series is that we're seeing the doctor uh, still dealing from the fallout uh, of uh, Doomsday. Uh, but, you know, we we've come so far, you know, he's no longer 
actively mentioning her by name uh, on an episode by episode basis. And, and then to see that drawing in that book, it just, it, it immediately evoked these emotions that it was like, Oh man, he's dang it. Uh, because you could see it even, you know, as, as, as smitten as he seems to be with the nurse, he takes a moment to, to, to like, Oh, I, I call her Rose. Mm-hmm. And like, you could see that she's, he's really excited, even though he's treating her like a fictional character. He's just so excited at it. It's another moment too, where I thought, Oh, Poor Martha, because of course he drew a picture of Rose, but he didn't draw a picture of poor Martha. Right. I mean, maybe it was too new. Like I, I, I didn't immediately go, you know, into that space. But it, it did, it did so. It felt so like raw to like show, you know, Rose and and such a beautiful, you know, uh, sketch of her that was just like, oh, doctor, you're killing me. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, it, it's it's through seeing all of this that uh, Martha goes back and, and we see the TARDIS uh, hidden in this, like, shed. Uh, very much like a uh, Back to the Future moment where it's like, I'm going to I'm gonna hide the thing, like, you know, behind some hay and, uh, and stuff. Right. She just needed to have a drop cloth uh, we over see it her... to pull it off. <laughs> it, right. That, like, I, I felt like she needed that extra bit. Uh but you know, we see her basically we we get the flashbacks of what really happened. Uh and so, you know, it, it becomes clear that the doctor has become uh a hundred percent human, that he is he has the ability with the with the aid of a machine called the chameleon arc. Yes. Am I getting that yes. right? And using the chameleon arc he is able to strip away or change his DNA and basically become human. Uh, And he even insinuates that, you know, he's had it and he didn't think he was ever going to use it, but he has to use it. So is is this the first time that the chameleon arc is mentioned or has it appeared before or since? It hasn't appeared before to my knowledge. If it, if it did, it would have been in the, you know, early, early series, but I've never seen it before. So it's, it's new to us Mm. in this incarnation of this series. Uh, Cause it it seems like a pretty pivotal, pivotal uh, bit of uh, hardware to have included in the TARDIS. Uh, a thing that can change and rewrite all of your DNA and I guess store all of your unique DNA in a watch or, or some sort of container. Yeah. And I love how she asks him if it's going to hurt and he just looks at her and he's like, Oh yeah, it hurts. (laughs) And I was just about to say like, this is the second time to the best of my knowledge that we really see the doctor have to deal with serious pain you know he he hasn't really been injured before in any of the other series and then in last week's episode 42 he gets put in that device and you hear him just writhing in pain and screaming out in pain and here we go next week and the doctors once again you know in this just horrendous amount of pain just to change his DNA 
and to become this the the mild mannered you know John Smith uh, to his uh, doctor you know alter ego. Yeah, and there's something very unsettling about the doctor being in pain. There's something that that's just mm-hmm. not right. Yeah, I that's what I, I said that last week, and then the podcast because it's just there's always been a constant and that's that, you know, the doctor is fine. The doctor, uh, you know, is able to get out of all these difficult situations and squirmy situations. Uh, and we've seen him emotionally deal with some scars. Um, but we've never had to see him endure physical pain. Uh, and so it's still very jarring and unsettling and, uh, it, it, it's definitely not a fun endeavor to see. It's, it's almost <laughs> like the first time you realize that your parents are not infallible, right? Like the first time you see your parents in yeah. pain, it's, it's that sort of like, oh my gosh, that's not supposed to happen. They're supposed to be the person that takes care of that. It's the same thing with the doctor. He's supposed to be the one that takes care of the pain. This is weird. This is not okay. Yeah, it, it, it's almost like that scene uh, in the original Superman where you see him uh, with the kryptonite and you see him depleted and you're like, no, 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 I've seen you like have bullets bounce off of you and like, no, what is happening? No, this, this can't be because uh, I guess, you know, in my head, the doctor was sort of invulnerable. Like, right. He was the, <laughs> he, you know, he, he couldn't be killed. He's like the Highlander. Uh, with all the superiority of uh, a son of Krypton. And, right. you know, it, it has not been fun watching him be hurt. I totally agree. And, and since we're going down that weird comic book uh, rabbit hole, uh, we all of a sudden get uh, get to see a bunch of uh, Batman villains uh, yeah. in the scarecrows that are coming to yes, life. Yes, I didn't think about that, but yes, you're totally right. You know, it's like, you're going to hurt my doctor, and then you're going to introduce all these comic book villains. Uh, and, you know, they're they're pretty creepy. Uh, not as creepy as the little girl with the red balloon, right. which I'm, I'm sure it's meant to be creepier than I took it. But, you know, being who I am and seeing and, and re- having read what I've read, immediately I was thinking of it and, yes. uh, you know, the clown. I was like, that's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> uh, of course, the little girl with the red balloon is going to become evil. Right. And there's something <laughs> extra creepy about a cute, creepy kid. Like there's something extra creepy because oh, yeah. they're not, they're supposed to be cute and safe. So when she turns, it's a definite like, <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, yeah. It's like a Stephen King novel. You know, you're like, oh, look, it's the cute little twins. Come play right. with us, Danny. Exactly. No, thanks. No, thanks. Exactly. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> Run away. Exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, talking about other like really fabulous lines that I adored in this uh, episode uh, when, you know, they're. The, the the doctor sort of gets the courage and he he asks uh the girl to go to the dance with him uh and she's read the the book and she drops this line which you know it, it's i think it's meant to be kind of a throwaway line but i loved it yeah, but the doctor has an eye for the ladies the devil <laughs> a girl in every fireplace ah uh-huh, now 
there, I have to protest, Joan. That is hardly me. <laughs> you know, that's it is kind of a throwaway line, but on the other hand, it just shows you she she didn't just take the book and thumb through it. She took that book and she read it. She's mm-hmm. she's into him, you know. And so, like you you get the idea, oh yeah you get yeah. the idea that like this is not this is not just like oh she kind of likes him. No, she really likes him. She really wants to know more about him. <laughs> she's really interested in this. This she didn't just take the book to be like oh yeah sure I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna. I'm going to look at it so that you think that I did because I think you're cute. No, she, she really wants to know more. <laughs> and so she really read that whole thing cover to cover and, and knows about that moment. Yeah. I, I love that. It wasn't just like, you want to read my fan fiction? Like she legit like, yes, I want to read your fan right. fiction and I'm going to quote it back to you now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I love that line. It was so great. Um, and of course, you know, I had that moment of like, oh my gosh, she said it uh, when he's fixing the scarecrow and she asks him. Where did you learn to draw? Gallifrey. Is that in Ireland? Yes, it must be. Like he just throws it away like, oh yeah, it's Gallifrey. And you're like, oh my gosh, right? there's still a little bit of the doctor in him, clearly. Right. There's there's something there. So it's it's a nice hint that... He's not all gone and that there's a little piece of the doctor that's left in there. Right. Well, the, it's it, it feels like this is the simpler version of the doctor. This is what the doctor would be if he didn't have all this galactic knowledge coursing through his, ba- uh, through his brain at all times. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> like this is, uh, I mean, it, this episode felt very, uh, very familiar in that, uh, Uh, nerd kind of way because this is kind of like you know when superman decides to give up his powers to be with lois uh you know the doctor gives up his powers he gives up being a time lord to become human to hide uh and in in you know in in while doing so he has this very human experience of uh you know falling in love right um which uh, is just so heartbreaking when, you know, Martha, you know, notices and she, she says, I had to go and fall in love with a human. And it wasn't me. Again, poor Martha. <laughs> poor Martha. <laughs> right. You're like, she, she's becoming like the Mickey for yeah. me. Like, you know, every time Mickey was on screen, I felt bad for Mickey. I'm like, no, why you got to be so mean to Mickey? Right. And now I'm like, man, what you doing to Martha? Poor like Martha. she's she's adorable and she's so loyal and uh, and you just completely are ignoring her, or not seeing her, and it hurts her. And even in the midst of her having to watch him fall in love with this other woman, she's still there doing her duty, watching and waiting and making sure that he's okay. Oh yeah. I mean, it it is abundantly clear by now that um, she is 100% there for the doctor. She is 100% a believer of the doctor. She's, you know, she's actually said it. I believe in the doctor in, in previous episodes, I believe she even said it in uh, gridlock, uh, which we talked about, you know, so she is absolutely a devotee of the doctor. Uh, and as much as it clearly pains her to see it, she is still 
following, you know, watching that video, scrubbing to make sure that she didn't miss anything and that she's not doing something that he wouldn't want her or he wouldn't want to be doing. Right. And speaking of that video, I think one of the most interesting things that he says is that rule number one is don't let me hurt anyone because his first assumption is that as a human, he could have the possibility of hurting somebody, which I think is so interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, he he's not wrong. That right. That is definitely one of the most, the, he, you know, he's talked about how remarkable human beings are, but he's also seen and been faced with and had to combat the greed and the evil and the the darker side of humanity, which is to hurt each other, which is to kill each other. Exactly. Um, which is, it's interesting that he says that because there's that moment uh, where the, the you see you know him being a professor and they're teaching the kids how to use these weapons uh and of course you know it's all foreshadowing the uh the the oncoming uh war uh but they have a moment where you know one of the kids is not quite paying attention and so the other one goes permission to give latimer a beating sir it's not class mr smith permission granted right come with me you little oik what <laughs> No. Right? Why would you do that, doctor? Right, and there's two th there's two moments there that are really so undoctor like. First that he says, "Yes, yeah, sure, give the kid a beating." And second, that he's even remotely okay with anybody using guns for anything because the doctor is so anti-gun, and here he is responsible mm -hmm. for the kid's shooting, and it's this weird moment of like, "Wait, no, this isn't this isn't right. He should be stopping them. He doesn't like this." Well, and the whole the conversation about training them to get them ready for war. Uh and you're like, "That woof, that is definitely the humanity in him sort of coming through and in the two months that he's had with these people uh that that human instinct is strong uh so you know it's almost like he he had a every right to be concerned and to ask martha to keep an eye on that aspect of mm -hmm. it because we've seen as as a as a gallifreyan as a as a time lord he's definitely got a bit of a you know anger side a, a bit of a you know vengeful side uh you know we we saw that uh with the runaway bride episode where he's just kind of enjoying it a little too much that he's you know killing these spider babies uh so you know it it, it does check out it feels very in character for him to be concerned that the human counterpart of himself would be prone to maybe being a little more violent definitely and um the there's a moment um that uh again i'm sure it's supposed to be a little scarier than it was for me um but we see you know the the maid that had been hanging out with martha uh and the the creepy kid that talks you know out of the corner of his mouth uh, is holding like this green snow globe from hell yes, <laughs> and unleashes his mother in it. And you're like, I'm sure that that was meant to be a little scarier, but dang it, that was funny. right. <laughs> right. It's, you know, every once in a while, the effects are still a little, a little wonky, a little cheesy. And this is another moment of, okay, it's a little cheesy, but we're going to let you get away with it. 
And I could totally see like a younger viewer watching that. I'd be like, oh, that's scary. The green smoke. But as an adult, you're like, oh, this is this is the part. This is that cheesy like sci-fi effect that I sort of, you know, I, I before starting Doctor Who, that's kind of all I had heard is that, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, silly little sci-fi series with cheesy effects. Uh, and that's to me, that's kind of part of the charm, totally. uh, which is why, you know, like, I'm sure I was supposed to be scared in that moment. And I understand that, but I loved it. I thought it was so cute. And <laughs> he's like, I'm going to take this green snow globe and I'm just going to pointed at you in the special effects department will make it look more menacing. It has like original Star Trek vibes, you know, when those, oh, when yes. those moments happen. It makes me think of the original Star Trek and I just go, oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> like you can almost hear the, the grip behind the camera going, shh, shh. Right. <laughs> like they did for the doors right. and stuff. But... um you know that it almost gets us to the end. I do have one question. Okay. The so the 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 kid the the Peter Pan kid right? He's the kid from uh, from uh, Love Actually and the Sports Finding Trials. Neverland. And he's from Love Actually and the Sports Trials and the Queen's Gambit most recently. Yes, Tim Latimer. Oh, that's that that I. Why did I think that he was from? Uh, Finding Neverland. Well, he might have been in that too, but he, Maybe he's he, definitely the Love Actually kid. He's definitely the Love Actually kid, yes. Uh, but I love how he like steals the watch. Uh, and then he has some sort of like, you know, precognition kind of ability before the watch. Uh, but when he's sitting there and he's listening to the watch, uh, you hear voices coming out of it. And some of them are the doctors, but there's a line. Last of the time. The last of that wise and ancient race. But it's not the doctor's voice. And it's not Rose's voice. And it's not Martha's voice. Who was that voice? Oh, I don't know. Do know? Was it the face of Bo? It definitely did not sound like the face of Bo. Oh. I mean, it could have been. I'm not sure. Perhaps it's somebody that we haven't seen yet. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So... That's it for my questions. Uh, did did I miss anything? Was there anything that you picked up on, or or, or something that I should have picked up on that you know I completely went over? No, I don't think that this this episode is really kind of a setup for the next episode, right? So there, I don't think there's anything you missed. Mm-hmm. There is one interesting thing that um, it would be hard for anybody to know unless they were a giant Doctor Who fan, and that is that. At one point, the doctor mentions his parents, and he calls them Sydney and Verity. And what's interesting about that is that this is sort of a Doctor Who inside joke, because Sydney Newman was the original creator of Doctor Who, and Verity Lambert, Aww. yeah, and Verity Lambert was the first showrunner and producer of the show. So oh, that's cute. Those really are that his parents. Yeah, those are really. Oh, I. I I, I was wondering if there was any truth. I, I just assumed that it was part of whatever backstory he gave himself uh, as he was transforming. But that's cute that it actually has meaning. Those names are that's so awesome. specific that I thought there's, you know, it wasn't like, you know, 
Jenny and George or, you know what I mean? Those names are a little bit different uh-huh. and interesting. And I thought there's got to be a reason that he used those names. And sure enough, that's why. Like my dad, David Tennant and my mom, <laughs> you know, and like, that's awesome. Yeah. Just an interesting little tidbit. I, well, I love tidbits. Uh, and, uh, that's a great way to segue into, uh, our, reoccurring segment every week with Ashley's TARDIS tidbits, which is not as easy to say as you think. <laughs> so Ashley, uh, what, what cool tidbits do you have for us this week? This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for series three, episode eight, human nature. This episode and the one that follows were written by Paul Cornell, who you will remember from the series one episode, father's day. It was adapted from his 1995 Doctor Who novel, Human Nature, that originally featured the seventh Doctor. In his journal, A Journal of Impossible Things, we see sketches of previous Doctors, William Hartnell, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, and Paul McGann. This is the first time that the reboot series has explicitly depicted previous Doctors. We also see our beloved Rose. Online... They showed pages that we didn't see on screen that featured the other doctors, Tom Baker, John Pertwee, Patrick Troughton, Christopher Eccleston, and of course, David Tennant. When Martha is on the TARDIS watching the video that the doctor made for her with instructions, there's a section where she fast forwards to the end. During this part, there was no actual script, but David Tennant ended up saying a bunch of gibberish Bingle bongle dingle dangle, yickety doo, yickety da, ping pong, lippy tappy doo da. He also discussed a concert he saw in 1990 of the House Martins. All improv. Well done, David. Originally, the doctor's identity was going to be in a cricket ball instead of his fob watch, but it was changed so it could be something that could actually be opened. And speaking of that fob watch, It's originally seen in Series 1 as part of the TARDIS console. It's clearly seen in some close-ups of Christopher Eccleston's hands in the episode The End of the World. Thank you very much, Ashley, for once again bringing some really good tidbits. I, I thought I saw some of those old faces and recognized them as original doctors, but I'm glad that uh, you... Uh, you clarified that for me. So thank you very much. Um, so, uh, Jamie, is is there anything else that we miss? Uh, no, I think we're ready for the next one. Well, I, I think it would be great if you could stick around and uh, do this next episode with me. What do you say? All right. All right. So we'll get together again next week and we'll talk about the continuation of human nature. So until then, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. I sure do appreciate it. Uh, please visit firsttimelord.com. Leave a comment on all of the episodes. You can find all of our current and past episodes there. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, if you want to support the show and are feeling like you want to spend a little money, we've got a merch shop with some cool t-shirts and stuff that you can uh, help support the show with or if uh, merch is not your thing you can uh, also follow the link to our patreon site or find it uh, by searching for daniel levain uh, and you can become a supporter of the show through that 
or you could just share the show. If you know of somebody that would enjoy getting into Doctor Who, uh, you can introduce them to the show and uh, watch them go through the same journey that I'm going through, which is so much fun and well worth the time. But any and all support is always greatly appreciated. And I guess let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into that TARDIS and off to next week to find out what happens with the human doctor. <laughs> <laughs>